0: Welcome to Me and Mary Jane with your host, Patricia A. Patton. So, hello, everyone. This is Patricia Patton, and welcome to Me and Mary Jane. Today, we are speaking with Shirali Patel. She is an associate in Cashman Stein Walder Hayden's cannabis and hemp law and litigation practice. And she is also the founder of Blaze Responsibly. Welcome. Thank you for making time for us.
1: Thank you, Patricia, for having me. I really do appreciate it. So, I recently
0: read an article that you wrote the New Jersey Law Journal that talks about New Jersey's framework for social equity, equity um, within the industry and specifically how it relates to recreational cannabis. I don't have a clue. I can't make sense of it. I've heard people talk about it a few times. I'm not real clear what a micro license is. The only thing that I am clear about is that the New Jersey law, as it's currently written, does not define social equity. So let's start with the article and see if I and my listeners can get a better understanding
1: of that. Sure. So uh, you mentioned about, you know, not having a definition for social equity in New Jersey. And so typically in other states they they define social equity applicants as someone who's been Uh, you know, harmed by the drug war, so had a prior conviction for possession potentially uh, for minorities, for women, for veterans. Um, In New Jersey, instead of doing it as a social equity applicant status, New Jersey decided to create a mini licensing category, which they're calling micro businesses. So micro is, you know, smaller. So think about micro licenses as smaller licenses for smaller players who want to get into the industry, who may not have All the resources or capital or experience that you essentially need to get one of the full licenses and so micro licenses are pretty much carved out for women minorities people of color really anybody actually Um, and there isn't requirements that you had had to have gone through a possession charge or had you know been through the system or anything like that so it's and that's why we preface it with it's not a social equity applicant status because anybody can technically apply for a micro license
0: so is this is this some new way of looking at the brave new world or I mean in a way it doesn't make a lot of sense I'm not caught up on the words per se but Mm -hmm. I don't see how this actually um makes room for a wider participation so does it
1: To a degree it does because of the two restrictions with micro licenses. So here's, so in New Jersey, for example, we have 12 existing licensed operators who are all part of the medical program. And all but I believe one of the entities are what's considered an MSO or a multi-state operator. They're already operating in other states. They have um, high, high net worth, you know, individuals. They all look a certain, color, let's say for the board purposes, and they are all coming with out of state experience and they're not New Jersey residents. With micro businesses in order to be eligible, 100% of the equity has to be held by New Jersey residents. So that's number one, um, which you know takes a lot of the big players out of the picture because getting to that residency piece. Number two is that at least 51% of the owners, Directors or employees of a micro business have to live in the municipality in which the micro business will be operating out of, or within a neighboring or bordering town. Well, and we so- have seen this not work. We have seen
0: police captains who live in other states run different um, municipalities. We have seen um, we have seen small businesses just get loaded up with a woman as the head of the business, but it's really owned by men. I'm not sure that this is really a way to address the problem.
1: Yeah, and I completely get that concern. And we've expressed this at prior meetings with the CRC, the cannabis regulatory commission at the state level to give more clarity. And that is going to come in the rules and regulations. So all we did in New Jersey was pass enabling legislation, which provides us with an outline or a framework for what the state can work within. The yeah. details are to be determined yet. So the CRC can say, my only only individuals who are, um, you know, women, people of color, who have been in the state for you know X amount of years, or who have gone through these charges, are applicable for micro licenses. So that could that can come down the pipe.
0: Right now, they're
1: just broadening it and saying that we are going to have these types of mini licenses available and micro applicants only compete with other micro applicants. I so, see. You're, so you're also in a just separate pool.
0: Now, um, is this framework, this line of thinking, based on it having successfully taken place someplace else? Or is New Jersey coming up with this you know, out of pure discussion?
1: So I think there's a couple of things. New Jersey looked at different states to get ideas from what other you know, social equity models have done, the lottery systems, and kind of saw where the flaws were. You know, with lottery, for example, is really truly random, right? It's not merit-based. And so, and then the second thing was they wanted to incentivize New Jersey residents. And so it was their way of it wasn't just for social equity, but it was like being mindful of having New Jersey residents participate. And that's where that 100 percent of equity comes into play. So it was good intentions. But, you know, when you when it gets written in the in paper and when you have legislation involved and senators, assemblymen, women who have to, you know, have a say, that's where the language starts to get a little bit diluted. And instead of making it specific and concise, they they went about it maybe a little bit more broad, knowing that the CRC has the authority to really fine tune it. And I I think, yeah, so that's, I'll leave it at that.
0: So then um, that makes me wonder about what's actually happening with the CRC. The CRC is the Cannabis Regulatory Commission They are supposed to have, I guess, a framework for all the municipalities by the end of August. I've not been following them closely. So, I mean, I've been following you, so I know you follow them. So what I'm trying to understand now is, I'll ask you from your personal, no, I'll ask you from your professional opinion, How do you think they're doing in terms of what they're coming up with thus far?
1: Okay. So that date, there's actually two significant things. You mentioned the August 21st deadline. So here's where a lot of confusion is happening because that deadline is for municipalities to decide whether they want to opt in or opt out of allowing cannabis business establishments. Okay, stop there. Stop there then. So this, I've heard
0: several people mention as... um, we don't have to do anything is kind of the response. Because since we don't know what to do and we can opt in at any point in time, we're just gonna opt out until we can understand the landscape
1: a little better. Does that make a lot of sense? It makes no sense. And I've spoken about this. I actually was on News 12 about this specific issue because it's alarming that there's this much confusion at the local level. So the August 21st date is, when also, is also when the CRC has to come out with some sort of interim rules. Nobody knows what those rules are going to be about. The municipalities are looking at that date as potentially saying, oh, we'll have clarity on how to, how to move forward. So we'll just wait for them to see what they do, not realizing that municipalities, you already know what the existing zones are in your municipality you know where light industrial is, you know where the commercial district is, and you already know how your constituents voted for legalization and decrim, whether they were for it or against it. Um, And so it's kind of like towns, you're waiting for the CRC to give you guidance on rules that will have nothing to do with your town. The the rules are gonna be about potentially packaging, they could be about labeling, They could be about the licensing opportunity, but it's not gonna be towns do this, because of home rule in New Jersey. Municipalities get to dictate what goes on within their jurisdiction through ordinances. And so, so- So do we already have the information from the state then? Because
0: I think that is what people were saying. We're waiting for the state right. to tell us you know, what to do.
1: Yes, so that was a, it's it's like a rumor, it's like a myth that's been funneling through. It's, it's all these municipalities just saying, we're just gonna wait and see what happens. Not realizing wait and see what happens means you're, gonna, you're not getting any more clarity on what you can potentially do. And when you, yes, you can opt in at any point if you opt out, but if you opt in after the licensing, the first application round drops, you can, you, you're potentially not going to be a host. You're not going to be a, a municipality that's open for the first round of licenses. So you're going to miss out on the whole first tranche of potentials for tax revenue, job benefits, all of that.
0: Got it. Okay, so that was really unclear to me. I mean, I tried to have a conversation and I realized I was not clear either because um, I kept getting this information about something was coming from the state that would be guidance for how to move forward. But based upon what you just said, as you just said clearly, municipalities already know
1: Mm -hmm.
0: what's zoned for what and that's not going to change unless they choose
1: to change it exactly okay and especially with we so we've seen the voter you know initiate the ballot cast for example i mean two-thirds of the state voted in favor i don't think there's a single municipality or me- don't quote me on that <laughs> i'm going to go back and check that <laughs> there's very few that actually voted no so it's kind of like you got you know for the council mayor it's like your your uh, constituents voted for this have your public forums, listen to their concerns, and do it the right way, um, in a meaningful way. The state's not gonna come in and tell you, hey, we, we sh- you should have dispensaries on Main Street. That's up to you to decide what you want and you know to figure out what type of um, economic revenue do you want in, within your borders.
0: I see. So, okay, I'm gonna continue because I have a thousand questions that are fired off as a result of something you said, but let me stay focused. Um, here you go a little further talking about the New Jersey Cannabis Regulatory Enforcement Assistance and Marketplace so this crema mm-hmm. micro business license applicants will only compete with other micro business applicants okay so that means as you stated really that that should keep the big guys out or that should give you a possibility but but here's my question The small business, like the, the SBA describes small business and those small businesses are still really big players. They're not really small businesses in the vernacular. So that's what I'm wondering about this. Is this still out of the reach of most small entrepreneurs who don't have a seed rounding or what have you when they refer to micro businesses?
1: Yeah, so it definitely is difficult because you still need to put together an application, you still need to secure property, and which you know is challenging. And so it is, and it, and of course because of the federal law, most people can't go and get a business loan like you traditionally would for your small business. So yes, it's it's an opportunity, but we haven't we haven't bridged the gap. So it's like we've created you know the end line here, but we're at the and we're at the fifty yard line, but to get to the touchdown is to be determined. And so it's like, we've created an opportunity and hence why I think the CRC and the state recognized we have work to do. They created the office of women, minority and disabled veterans and cannabis business development. That office is gonna be in charge of figuring out whether they wanna administer um, zero to low interest loans or grants or funding opportunities for these types of micro businesses or smaller entrepreneurs. And so I think that eventually we'll get to the point where there are resources but where we are today it is difficult for for smaller and uh players to come into the you know to the fold and and that's why i'm really cognizant of that and so when i work with people i try to get them to do as much as possible on their own um knowing that you know they don't have the full capital and working with them versus you know somebody who has the capital means to do everything and so um it's, it's an opportunity, but we don't have all the, you know, solutions yet to get them to the finishing line. Right.
0: So I'm going through now the section in the article that um, talks about what a micro business can and cannot do. So what it really looks like. And that begins to give me heartburn, just looking mm-hmm. at it, you know, um, I'm not sure if a micro business really is just a business that is plant touching or could a micro business be a business that is not because most of what is here talks about the amount of of plant touching material that you can Mm -hmm. be involved in. So can a micro business be
1: um, an HVC, HVAC company? So the way that the state's defining a micro business is it's, it's just a, it's just a mini like it's a considered a reduced form of the actual six license types. Okay, so will apply within the plant touching realm. So for retail for cultivation for manufacturing for wholesale for distribution and for delivery, you have your regular licenses, and then you have micro businesses, and then there's a third thing which we'll get to which is hopefully conditional permits. So you get a micro business license for any potential license category.
0: Okay. Retail cultivation, wholesale, uh,
1: I missed one. Manufacturing. Manufacturing. And
0: delivery. Wholesale distribution, delivery. Now, the only thing that I can see in there that a person without money could possibly do is delivery.
1: Delivery is a low hanging fruit. Potentially, potentially, retail, wholesale distribution, you know, cultivation and manufacturing are some that are gonna obviously be cap heavy because you're talking about equipment that costs a couple hundred thousands of dollars. And, you know, and also ex- you're gonna need experience to get one of those cultivation manufacturing licenses. And so that means bringing in partners out of state, et cetera. And so they're, they're very difficult, but wholesale, you know, you need, you need storage space and you need some vehicles potentially you can figure that out right same thing with distribution and delivery and so and and retail you can have a small you can create think about it as being like the craft brewery or the mom and pop right the go-to having that boutique like very unique model can work for a retail level if you have small small square feet and you're in a town not like jersey city you know where you can afford the square feet like Pricing and stuff. So there are, I think, a couple models aside from the cultivation and manufacturing, which again, depending on how who you partner up with in the state, you may be able to figure it out. But
0: so, so, so then, um, municipalities who are thinking about how these micro businesses can benefit their citizens. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like you need a clear understanding of what that is in order to figure out how you might be able to pass some of those opportunities on.
1: Absolutely. And that's why they're missing that because a lot of uh, municipalities are opting out of retail. You know, they don't want the shops not recognizing that's a really, that's a great entry point for micro businesses. So that's. That's something
0: to think about. And I don't think that people have actually thought about that because I think when I think retail, I think, when I think retail, I think either head shop or um, dispensary, mm-hmm. at, but
1: there are lots of things
0: in between that. And,
1: and so each, so this is at the municipal level but the state has allowed retailers to have on con, on-site consumption permits. And that's up to the local municipalities to decide whether they want to allow that. So now you can apply as a retail applicant, as a micro business, and then potentially also get the permit for on site consumption. Now you have another revenue model that's bringing money and you're starting to build a community center, right? Because people who are in public housing, multiple dwellings where you have restrictions on consuming. You have nowhere to go. And legally, you can't smoke on the sidewalk. So, we need places where people can go. And that's where the micro businesses, I think, can really flourish. But I
0: really think that, um, you know, people have to open their minds to that, you know, because I think there is an automatic resistance Hmm. to um, the possibility of people smoking publicly or what have you. But then, as you say, the alternative to that. Private consumption. Nobody wants that responsibility either, because they're afraid that that will bring um, lawlessness or something like that. You know.
1: Right. But then it's like we allow alcohol. We have bars. You're not going to get any. You know. I know you're. I don't, don't have are on the right side of this, but that's the thing. You know, we as a society we allow alcohol, we allow tobacco, and it's become a norm. And we forget that post prohibition, it wasn't like that. It was still very sneaky and people didn't know what to do and liability. And we still deal with that to this, you know liquor license holders have to deal with potentially dealing with somebody getting into a DUI or a crash or killing somebody when they leave their bar. That's a true. high risk. And you know, it's, that's, we can, we can kind of use that as an example for the cannabis industry, but with less harm, knowing that the evidence that we have in Colorado now Colorado put out a report, I think in 2018, from a state level, saying that fatali- uh, traffic fatalities went down, um, teen usage went down, all the things that people are concerned about in new states. It's actually they're not warranted concerns. Um, cannabis does the opposite. It's not it's not like alcohol where you get domestic violence going up and you know things like that. Cannabis does the opposite. And so it is a lot of education. So we're still at that point where people just need to understand what this plant really is about, um, and still get rid of all that stigma that we have.
0: I, I agree with you, definitely. So, all right. So once we go through the definition of what a micro business, that's pretty clear cut. Well, now that you've explained to me what it is, then I can see now why you know there are the specifics about how many square feet it can be, how much cannabis it can, the plants it can handle, You know that whole thing. It makes perfect sense um let's see I have a question mark here by there's no cap on the overall number of micro business licenses that can be awarded to the two-year cap on cultivation licenses I don't know what that means
1: so some some people have been asking you know is there going to be a limit on how many licenses the state is going to award They've only put a limit on the number of cultivation licenses they're going to award for the first two years of the adult use program at 37. Okay. But that cap doesn't apply to micro cultivators or micro businesses. So, and there's no number. They can issue as many micro business licenses as they want to.
0: Okay. Now,
1: this, um, now what does CREMA stand for? Oh man, you're really going to make <laughs> Oh, no, no. Hey, Cannab- I say it I'm, again. It's New Jersey Cannabis Regulatory Enforcement Assistance and Marketplace Modernization okay. Act.
0: <laughs> good. That's very good. So, so, no wonder they call it CREMA. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. So, now let's see. I'm looking here. Let's see. Microbusiness. You, okay. So, once a microbusiness, you don't have to stay a microbusiness. you are allowed to grow if you're lucky you're allowed to grow your footprint
1: yes after a year we don't know what the criteria will be but once the crc establishes you know the whatever requirements you can go from a micro business to a full license so you're not restricted anymore in your square feet or your capacity
0: and it says that the law provides that the regulatory, the Cannabis Regulatory Commission must award at least 30% of the total number of recreational cannabis licenses to minorities, women, and disabled veterans. Correct. Of course, that that, that could wind up being just going to one category.
1: So 15% has to go to minorities, and 15% has to go to um, disabled veterans or women.
0: Got it. Okay, so that's good. Yes. So that's the,
1: the office that I mentioned earlier of women in cannabis, they're the ones that are going to be in charge of making sure these licenses actually get awarded to the 30% goal. Cool.
0: That office is going to function at the state level? Correct. Okay. All right. So they're the ones that are be—they're going to certify and do X, Y. Okay. So let's just talk briefly about impact zones. And then, you know, then I'm going to read some more at another time, but at least now I have an idea of what yeah. these micro businesses are. So I, may have, I may have asked you in, a, in an earlier conversation about impact zones because I was trying to figure out if my town was an impact zone and then I realized it is not. So what is an impact zone defined as?
1: Yep. So what's, we need a little bit more clarity on this, but what it is defined as is, you know, essentially um, it's any municipality that has a high level of cannabis related arrest or crimes occurring overall crime rate not counting just cannabis and what the um unemployment rate is one of the issues with figuring out what the actual impact zones are right now there's 22 identified towns but the uh, but the issue is that the data that needs to be released from the federal government about and the state government for about overall crime arrest isn't isn't released yet so potentially there may be a few more towns that get added or modified But you know, there are towns like Elizabeth, East Orange, Newark, Jersey City, um, the ones that you can typically imagine, Um, but they-
0: I was under the impression that it had something to do with the number, with the population as well.
1: They did, they do have a population in there, um, but I believe in the cleanup bill, they changed it to make it a little more, you know, workable because it was very restrictive before.
0: Definitely,
1: so, So now at least I understand the framework
0: because I think that um, I was looking for a point of entry for a regular citizen, you know? So if you wanna be helpful to your, your municipality or your town or whatever in their process of determining what's best or whenever they open these to public conversation, this seems like it's fundamental to understand because everybody wants a piece of it and what people are complaining about is like, we don't want the big guys to come in um, and I wanna own something, but nobody really understands what could you possibly own.
1: Right, exactly. And people don't realize that it's a business at the end of the day and not everybody is successful in business. And that's just the way the world is. And it's very difficult when you're working in a world where it's federally illegal, where you don't get to take normal business deductions. And you know you have to deal with changing regulations and you need to have cash on hand to deal with these kinds of things. And so it's, it's barely it's, it's difficult as is in any industry but it's even harder to be successful in cannabis. And that's why I tell, I, step one is always educating them about the opportunities and the process and letting them know there's always more opportunities that will come. You don't need to just be the first to do it or to be in the first tranche of licenses, you know, wait and see what happens. Wait, you know, if you don't, if you have limited resources and capital, just wait, slow and steady, um, rushing it isn't gonna help anybody. And so I really, I try to just help educate everybody. Step one, like you said, because no one really knows what it is that they're even getting into.
0: Right. I think that's really good advice and, um, it's free. Hey, you guys, this is free advice. You didn't even get to bill. She doesn't get even get to bill us for the hour, right? <laughs> so, so I want to thank you for taking the time. And I hope that you will come back, yes. you know, with snippets like this. I mean, I really realize that your time is valuable, but this information is also really valuable to us being better citizens. So I really want to thank you for making time to thank talk you. with us today.
1: Absolutely. I want to do my part because the more educated we are, the better decisions we can make and and build together. So I appreciate you and the platform.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us today. Pass the word, share the love, like, subscribe, tell a friend. Can't wait to talk to you again on the next episode. Thank you.